0: Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band
1: and the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com. It's River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. Caucus Day is finally upon us. First today, state leaders of the major parties with their remarks about Caucus Night In just a few moments, a conversation I had earlier today with Linda Upmeyer, co-chair of the Republican Party of Iowa. But first, a conversation I had last Friday with Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart.
2: Rita Hart, welcome back to River to River. It's so nice to be here, Ben. Thank you so much.
1: Well, we'd love to know how caucus night, the process, has changed for Democrats. Describe that.
2: Well, I think that uh, the big difference is that in this caucus process, we are taking the presidential selection uh, process out of the in-person caucuses and, and setting up a system so that people can, um, can fill out a presidential preference card from their home and mail it back in. As for the in-person caucuses, they will be conducted very similar to previous um, caucuses that this is, the in-person caucuses are where we do our, our party business. Uh, people will come, they will see their friends and their neighbors, they will have good conversations about a party building and they will do some elections. They will elect their, um, their delegates, they'll be electing county central committee members and they'll be submitting their platform resolutions. That is very similar to the process that we do every two years even though we get a lot more attention on the presidential years. But then we have the mail-in caucus part as well, where people will be already, thousands of them have already requested these uh, presidential preference cards, um, and they will continue to do that until February 19th. And I think this is the exciting part about the changes, is this is, uh, this is the beginning of what will be the most inclusive caucus process in Iowa history. Because for the first time, people who um, are historically unable to attend a caucus—a firefighter or a police officer who works third shift, uh, parents who have small children and and are uh, it's hard pressed to find child care at that time, snowbirds who are spending the month in in Arizona or Florida, and and those in our disability community who struggle with home health care issues all of them will now be able to participate in this process. And so that's very exciting for us. Um, but um, the in-person caucuses, as you know, are very important as well, that we do this party um, party building and, and we have the opportunity to meet face-to-face with our friends and neighbors.
1: Mm-hmm. Just a couple of follow-up questions to make sure we're clear, because the presidential preference cards, that's the new part of one of the new Parts uh, of uh, this process here, so you do not have to show up on caucus night uh, to get a presidential preference card, right?
2: That's correct. Yep.
1: How do you get it?
2: So uh, there's, it's an easy process for those who are um, have the internet on their phone. They can they can do that on the phone, or they can do it on their computers simply by going to our website slash caucus and from there they just input a few pieces of information and as a, and after that's submitted then they will receive their presidential preference cards in the mail they will fill that uh, card out it's a very simple process as well and then they put it back in the mail and they're their preference will be counted and we will be announcing those results on March 5th. -hmm. So again, it's a very exciting process to, uh, and it's so easy. It only takes a minute or so to fill out the request form. They can also request that if they are, if they don't want to use the computer process or, or do this on their phone, they can also um, request a, a card if they, if they call the Iowa democratic party, Office. We can mail them a card, um, or they can um, they can download. Someone can download the form for them um, from the internet, and they can mail that form back in. So, lots of ways to do it, and they're all pretty easy. What's
1: on the pref- What's on the presidential preference card? How many choices are there?
2: There will be four choices on the cards, um, and so those choices will be Joe Biden, uh, Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson. And uncommitted, and so mm-hmm. you choose to fill in one oval, and and return that card accordingly.
1: So, so this takes care of. Well, let me rephrase that. So by having these presidential preference cards, uh, we sidestep the bitterly cold sub-zero temperature forecast for caucus day, don't we? I mean, people can weigh in on their uh, presidential preference without going to the bitterly cold temperatures we expect on Monday.
2: Yeah, it will be um, interesting, you know, because... uh... Again, you know, we're used to in Iowa, we've had many cold caucus nights, we've had many snowy caucus nights, and people still um, show up there because, you know, we know how to handle the weather in Iowa. But we also are very practical about it. I think, you know, there's some people where the, it's, not, it's not a good risk, um, it's not good to go out in bitterly cold weather. Um, and again, for all those other reasons that happen every year, no matter what the weather, um, but some people obviously will not be able to attend on a cold, wintry night um, that has a wind chill factor as low as we're going to see on Monday. And so that's, again, why we're excited about this process, that, that, it, that we, for the first time, are affording people the opportunity to have their voice heard, regardless of the weather, in a, on a January night in Iowa. Read to
1: heart, without the traditional, um, the traditional cajoling in, in whatever venue, uh, gymnasium, uh, there are many other venues that Iowa has become associated with, going back to the 1970s uh, for these caucuses, sometimes raucous caucuses. Without the presidential preference part of the night, how do you plan to energize Iowa Democrats?
2: Well, I would tell you that um, Democrats are energized. Um, Here this year, because of the importance that they understand that we've got to get more Democrats elected. Um, You know, we have experienced over the last couple cycles um, a Republican Party that has um, maintained control, and in that control, they have done some things that are very unpopular. Um, And so we've seen overreach in the areas that are really important to Iowa families. Um, The fact that we are we're experiencing our women's rights being taken away from them to have control over their own bodies. Um, to see that we've got books being banned in our schools. That um, that we're seeing a shifting of money from our public school system over to a private school system, when we have been so proud of our public education system here in Iowa for so long these things that are happening in the state of Iowa are out of sync with the average Iowan. And so so we're motivated, Democrats are motivated because we know that it's important to elect Democrats, but I think others are motivated as well because they recognize that when one party has control too long, they overreach. They do things that are out of sync, that they are not truly representative of the Iowa people. And so we pride ourselves in Iowa of having balance. And we know that when we have a more balanced government, when we have um, a more equal representation between Democrats and Republicans, that that results in better governing. It results in in, uh, in better policies that end up helping um, the, the people of Iowa. You know, I, I think it's uh, interesting because um, I grew up in a time when uh, my mother was a Republican. My dad was a Democrat. We would have both caucuses in our house at the same time. Hmm. And and that is hard to believe in today's it, it, um, day and age. It certainly is. <laughs> yeah. But in the end, we also recognize that we were represented in the state by, a very, um, uh, by two senators who were on opposite sides of the spectrum with Senator Grassley and Senator Harkin. And people on both sides of the aisle um, crossed over to vote for the other because they recognize how much, how important that balance is. And that's what we need to get back to here in the state of Iowa.
1: As you mentioned, the presidential preferences of Iowans uh, delivering those cards, returning those cards uh, won't be counted until March. Looking at New Hampshire's approach and the fact that they've, well, I guess basically thumbed their nose at the DNC, do you read a heart regret changing your process here in Iowa to comply? With the DNC nominating calendar,
2: yeah. So you know, I I would say that um, we've all been disappointed by this process um, that that the DNC has made with our with their calendar decision. Um, and you know, as somebody who lives in rural Iowa, um, I'm I'm particularly disappointed by that. I think it's so vital that that small rural states like Iowa have a voice in this presidential nominating process and have an important voice, right? And so um, I think that that's been part of our conversations long before I became chair. People have been working on this long before I started um, earlier this year. And so um, it's troubling that the DNC made this decision. And as a result, there's no representation of states who are in the central or mountain time zones nor is a nor is there a state anything like Iowa where where you can come in as a candidate and be rather unknown and and get up close and personal with people in a in a state that's more affordable and uh, more um, easy to uh, to go across the entire state several times. Um, so that, that's all disappointing. But I have said from the very beginning that we are going to do what's best for Iowa Democrats. New Hampshire's going to do what's best for them. Um, and we've had these tough conversations with the, with the um, DNC. And, and we know this time that you know, we've got an incumbent president. We know that President Biden is going to be our nominee. And we're still gathering on January 15th so that we're not losing out on any opportunities to elect more Democrats. That's the important work that's got to take place so that we are in good position in 2028. And again, I've had such good conversations with the DNC. They've given me every assurance that we are gonna be on an even keel for um, getting back into that first in the nation position in 2028 when, it, when we're gonna have a much more competitive um, lineup.
1: How will that happen in 2028 that Iowa, you're saying Iowa uh, will regain its first in the nation status in 2028?
2: I am saying that we have the opportunity to have those conversations again and have that and be able to get back into that first in the nation position.
1: Iowa Democratic Party Chair Rita Hart, thank you very much for this conversation.
2: Thank you so much. It was a great pleasure.
1: That conversation with Rita Hart recorded last Friday. Coming up after a short break, a conversation I had earlier today with Linda Upmeyer, co-chair of the Republican Party of Iowa. Then political scientists, Dave Peterson and Chris Larimer. It's a caucus day edition of River to River from IPR News.
0: Support for IPR comes from Orchestra Iowa, presenting Pops on the River, an outdoor concert experience with songs from the Eagles featuring the Seven Bridges Band, And the entire symphony. June 1st at McGrath Amphitheater. Tickets at orchestraiowa.com.
3: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in depth, long form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. And we're back
1: with more of River to River on this Caucus Day 2024. I'm Ben Kiefer. In just a moment, we'll be joined by political scientists Chris Larimer and Dave Peterson. But first, to continue our conversations with major party leaders ahead of caucus night, earlier today, I spoke with Linda Upmeyer, co-chair of the Republican Party of Iowa. Welcome to our program. Thank you. It's my
3: pleasure to be here.
1: First of all, start us off with the nuts and bolts. Explain the process of caucusing on the GOP side.
3: Thank you, I'm happy to do that. You know, um, obviously the process starts very early with all the candidates coming into the state and and uh, making their themselves very well known to, to the public. But on caucus night, uh, people gather and the doors will open at six o'clock. That's, that's pretty precise. I've seen people come early and the doors are locked. So on a night like tonight, uh, you probably want to uh, be very prepared not to get into a building till 6 o'clock. I think at that point, people will all be let into the building because they're not going to let them way outside in this weather. But um, then the caucus actually starts at 7. So between 6 and 7, everyone gets registered. You're going to need your, your ID. You need to be a registered Republican. If you want to register at the site, you need to bring an additional ID in the form of a uh, uh, you know your cell phone bill or something like that that has your address to be sure you're mm-hmm. at the right precinct that you're voting in the right place. So that's kind of the get in the door process. Once you're there, and, and if
1: I could inter if I could interrupt for a moment while you're on the topic, if people don't know their precinct or their location, where do they find that out?
3: It's on the RPI website, the Republican Party of Iowa website you can click a link and see where your precinct is based on your county. So just click on your county, and then you can see where that precinct is. Because remember, this event, the caucus event, is run by individual parties. The Republicans in the past, the Democrats, uh, but the Republican Party is responsible for running this. The government, uh, the state government doesn't have any role in it. Um, so this is not taxpayer dollars. These are funds you know, raised by the parties to do their work. And so, so it is the party website where they will find their precinct caucuses. Mm-hmm.
1: And any other basics you want to remind caucus goers of?
3: I think those are the two big ones. Remember, you need your ID. And if you're already registered in the system, of course, that's all you need. It's like voting. And and again, if you if you're not, you need to have the extra piece. Then um, once once uh, the caucus actually begins at seven o'clock, prayer pledge, you know introductions of of the, the the chair, and then you the temporary chair to be clear, and then you will elect a uh, permanent chair. For the uh, convention and uh, in your precinct convention and then uh, you will have a permanent secretary as well and once that is completed then the candidates or their surrogates as you can imagine when you're having when you're having uh, over a thousand caucuses across the state uh, the candidates can't be at every single one of them so the surrogates that their captains uh, whoever they have lined up to re- read the, wh- the letter, whatever the candidate wants to convey to those caucus goers, that all happens. Everybody has a turn to do that, to take that opportunity, and, and sometimes somebody will ask a question, but that's pretty rare. Of surrogates, they they listen. You know, most of the people have kind of kind of done their work and they're ready to vote. So when that process of speaking has been completed, people vote. They're handed a piece of paper. Most of them are just a blank piece of paper. And um, they write the name of the candidate that they wish to vote for. And those are collected and they are counted uh, in front of the caucus. So everybody uh, watches the process and every candidate can have a uh, up close observer watching that process as well. So nobody needs to worry that those room, the, they get counted in the back room and, and they're not properly handled. Everybody watches them be properly handled. When that's done, we have a form E, we call it a form E, but that is filled out by hand once again in front of everyone, and then that's duplicated. So we know we've got, and everybody watching agrees that the numbers are correct, and then that we have an app this year. And and to be clear, this is not an app that someone sent us at the last minute, as sometimes happens, we've observed, and we don't know if it works. We This has been tested. We developed it. Um, uh, certainly with professionals uh, assisting us, but we developed it. It's our own app. It does what we want it to do. And um, so people can send their votes in by the app. They can enter their votes there, or they can phone them in, uh, as you can imagine, with phone lines. Sometimes you have to wait in line a long time. That's why the app was developed because sometimes the lines would get a bit clogged, and um, that's how the process is reported. So nothing—it's it, it, very hands-on and very transparent. I think that's the biggest thing: is the transparency, and and these are reported very, very carefully and clearly. Once that process is done, of course, then the the state party starts tabulating those results. Uh, much like you see on election night. Every state's coming in for us. Every precinct's coming in. And as we watch those come in, um, that will once again be very tra- transparent to groups uh, at the, at the uh, event center, seeing those come in at the media center. So it, that's kind of the process of how this all works. And um, there's lots of transparency and fail-safes.
1: Right. A, a couple of follow-up questions based on what you said. The, 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 sure. the ballots on site, paper ballots counted in front of everyone who is present, as you said. But when you cast your ballot, write you, your choice on a ballot, that can be secret if you choose for um, it not to be disclosed to others?
3: Oh, absolutely. It's a secret ballot. You can fold it up as tight as you want, and we will accept it. And um, then no one knows whose ballots they belong to. There's no, uh, no, no, you don't put your name on it. I mean, anybody that wants to, I mean, many people are very vocal about who they're supporting. So if they want to be very vocal, they sure can be. But um, no, if you want it to be a secret ballot, nobody, nobody will know.
1: Yeah, I ask that because some of the people turning up maybe have taken part in the Democratic caucuses of the past, where you go to a side of the gymnasium under the sign of whatever candidate you like. This is, to be sure, for first-time GOP caucus goers, this is not like that. This is uh, a different animal.
3: Uh, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. It, it it's it's much. It's I I would say it's much more like election day. You have your ballot, and while this is not doesn't go into a machine, and it it isn't as sophisticated a ballot. You have your piece of paper. You write the name that you want. You put that in the in the box or however they're collecting them, and then they go to the front of the room so they can be counted and um and tabulated and reported.
1: Speaker Upmeyer, I'm hearing, as I'm sure you have, reports of uh, and also personal anecdotes of Democrats uh, or non-party voters currently registered as such, switching to become registered Republicans for one day to participate. What's your view of that? Is that something you and the party encourage?
3: Well, uh, let me just say, I think some of those people that are switching that, um, we can't hope they'll stay. We, uh... I, I think there are many people that are not necessarily satisfied with the current administration, and they might very well like a voice in another administration. But um, even if they're doing it for one day, I don't believe that those numbers are going to be sufficient to skew any of the outcomes. Um, they, they'd they have to be um, very, very dedicated um, uh folks to come out in this weather and and perhaps stand in line uh just to cast a ballot that might um with a goal of kind of messing up the process i i just don't think we'll see a lot of that i think we will Mm -hmm. see um a number of folks that maybe are registered independent because I think more and more people do that, for even just for the reasons that they don't get as much mail and as many phone calls. But um, I think you might see some of that. But I think some of that's going to be very genuine. They, there's a candidate they like, yeah. and, and they'd like to um, cast a vote for them. So, uh, so I think much of it will be genuine. A few people will be trying to mess with the system. But I think those numbers are going to be pretty small.
1: Right. I, I'm not perhaps people messing with the system, as you say, but other people who are saying, well, if uh, the Democrat doesn't win, I, I want to have a voice in who might, uh, you know, be in the Republican side who would beat the Democrat.
3: Absolutely. So, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, absolutely. that's absolutely le- I, legi- legitimate. Yes, exactly. And and I, th- I think there are candidates that appeal to very broadly I mean, like, uh, so I, I think that's a, re- a very legitimate um, thing that the Democrats might want to do is is have have another choice.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you are uh, confident that in providing the results in real time on the Iowa GOP website that you have the bandwidth for this enormous amount of traffic you're likely to have on caucus night. That's tested. You think that is bulletproof? Absolutely. We believe so, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. What will you do if the process for getting results from precincts or reporting those uh, results melts down? Uh, What's the backup plan? Is there
3: one? Well, the backup plan is always the phones, right? You know that if, if there's a problem with the app or if, you know, and in i I don't think even I can appreciate the number of trainings that have gone into this caucus, so we've had staff all over the state um, working with every one of these precincts, every one of these caucuses to go through exactly how the app works, exactly how the process works so i I think oftentimes you know you worry that there could be user error as opposed to system failures and so we want to make sure that we really minimize that and so the training was done I think people participated everyone in their precincts wants this to go well they they, they don't want to be that guy you know that that couldn't yeah. do it so they want to they want to make sure it goes well they've done their part so I really think I, I really think it's going to go well but in the event that it doesn't there's always a list of phone numbers that these are the people you call And um, and that's the that's the fallback position that if you can't make the app work for whatever reason, then that's what you do.
1: To reiterate what you mentioned before, uh, uh, all Iowa residents of voting age may participate in the GOP caucus tonight, even those who are not currently registered Republicans. Uh, If they're non-party or Democrats, they can register as Republicans on-site if they bring, of course, an ID, a driver's license, for instance, and proof of an Iowa address, a utility bill, or a cable bill, just to make sure we're clear on that.
3: That is correct.
1: Yeah. What do you expect in terms of turnout for these bitterly cold temperatures, the coldest caucus on uh, record? How do you think the, 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 the bitter cold will shape turnout?
3: Well, I, you know, I thought about that a lot, uh, quite honestly. And, um, I, I, you know, I think there's going to, I predict record turnouts tonight. If we fail record turnouts because of this cold, I think the turnout's still going to be great. I can tell you my 92 year old mother is still going to her caucus. She's got her boots, she's got her parka and one of her neighbors is she, they're going to ride share. Uh, so, uh, I, you know, I think Iowans are resilient people. They, this isn't the first time that they've had cold weather. And when it's cold weather that persists more than a day or two, they learn how to get their groceries, do the things they need to do. And this is one of them. This is one of the things that, that they value doing. And so I think we're going to have a really good turnout tonight. I don't think the weather is um i you know obviously there's going to be a few people that just can't do this because of the weather but i yeah. think those numbers are few i think people will really uh, they want to do this they're ready we've had candidates in the state for gosh I, I i feel like a year now and um and they've been working hard they've gotten to know these people especially their favorites they've probably been to two or three or four of their events and shaking their hands, ask them questions, and they feel like friends, and they want to support them. So I think they're going to do their very best to be able to do that. So I think we're going to have a great turnout.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: On Sunday, the former president, Donald Trump, also, of course, a candidate, suggested that casting a vote for him on caucus day would be worth dying for, uh, Speaker Upmeyer, His direct quote, Please react to this. You can't sit home, he said. If you're sick as a dog, you say, darling, I got to make it. Even if you vote and then pass away, it's worth it. Would you say it's that important to participate?
3: Well, I, I will say that when I heard the president say that, he, because I was taking groups of people to all the events. We attended many events yesterday with uh, dignitaries and folks that, that are here and I was hosting, and uh, he said it with a smile. So it was a little tongue-in-cheek. I don't think the president expects anyone to die voting for him. But he does believe it's very important, and I think every single candidate does. I, every event that I attended uh, yesterday and the day before, every candidate really, really made the plea to their, their supporters that this is important to come, bring your friends, bring, make sure you find all of my supporters and bring them. And so this is important to everyone.
1: Linda Upmeyer, co-chair of the Republican Party of Iowa, thank you so much.
3: Oh thank you, and I encourage folks to caucus I, I'm so sorry the Democrats aren't caucusing in the same way because I think that was something we shared that we um, that we all held dear, so I'm sorry that that's not the way it's going to be tonight, but um we do need the republicans and and folks that want to vote republican to be to be able to do that tonight. I'm excited.
1: Linda Upmeyer, that conversation uh, with her recorded uh, earlier today. Coming up after a short break, analysis from political scientists Chris Larimer of the University of Northern Iowa, also Dave Peterson of Iowa State University. You can join our conversation with your questions on this caucus day. Perhaps you're going tonight um, to 1-866-780-9100, 1-866-780-9100, or email us with your questions River to River at iowapublicradio.org. I'll ask, of course, Chris Larimer and Dave Peterson, one in particular, they'll be watching tonight as the results roll in. And uh, we remind you that uh, Iowa Republicans casting their first votes of the 2024 presidential election uh, tonight, starting at 7 p.m., Our coverage here on IPR uh, starts live coverage of the caucuses in collaboration with NPR, Iowa Public Radio. We'll have uh, several of our reporters out there, including Zachary Oren Smith, featured on the coverage this evening. Also, Sheila Brummer. uh, You can tune in beginning at 7 p.m. this evening. Democrats meeting tonight, as we discussed earlier, uh, to conduct party business, but not to cast votes uh, that instead done by mail this year. Back in just a moment with more of River to River from IPR News.
3: Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.
1: We're back with more River to River from IPR News. I'm Ben Kiefer. On this Caucus Day 2024, Iowa Republicans casting the first votes of the 2024 presidential election tonight. Perhaps you will be caucusing and uh, casting your vote as part of the uh, GOP uh, caucus uh, process. Let's finish off the hour with analysis from two political scientists we hear from regularly here on River to River. Dave Peterson joins us, the Lucan Professor of Political Science at Iowa State University. Dave, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me, Ben. Chris Larimer with us as well, Professor of Political Science at the University of Northern Iowa in Cedar Falls. Hi, Chris. Hello, Ben. Good to be with you. Good to be with you and with Dave. Uh, join us, 1-866-780-9100. With your questions or email us river to river at radio.org so far the 2024 presidential campaign uh, looks uh, chris and dave to be the least competitive in decades the incumbent president likely to win the Democratic nomination easily. the former president uh, seemed to be running away seems to be running away with the Republican nomination and at least if you place your faith in uh, opinion polls, let me ask each of you what's top of mind uh, starting with you Dave Peterson as we count on the final I- hours until Iowans gather at precinct sites across the state on this frigid January 15th
4: Yeah I think I mean the the big question is how many people are going to show up um on top of the weather which I know you just talked about with your last guest um the fact that it's not at all a competitive race um that sure lots of candidates have spent a lot of time in the state but there doesn't seem to be quite the level of excitement for a lot of the candidates that we've seen in past races um yeah i th- i think there's a good chance that turnout's going to be disappointingly low
1: mm. and uh, uh chris top of mind for you the same thing turnout
0: yeah turnout certainly uh, but beyond that, I think, you know, just the margins for first, second, and third, I think there are really, really interesting storylines there in terms of, you know, what, what's the margin for Trump if he is, does in fact, uh, go on to win tonight, what's the separation between first and second, and then between second and third, and, and what do those places look like in second and third? So I think I agree with Dave that turnout is very, very, will be very interesting to see tonight, but then beyond that, just the margins with the three candidates.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Chris, expand on that a little bit, because we're told Mm -hmm. this Iowa caucus is a matter of beating expectations. Explain what is Mm -hmm. meant when you uh, if you come in second, it it matters how far you come in second uh, in front of number three, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. Right. And and when you say expectations, it's about, you know, either meeting expectations, exceeding expectations or failing to meet expectations. And so for really all three candidates, there's a there's a different storyline there. Uh, You know, for Donald Trump, if the polling is is on point um, that he is that far out in front, you know, for him to meet expectations, he needs to win by a considerable margin. Uh, there's There have been questions about whether or not he needs to get to 50 percent because that number has been discussed. But if he would fall mm-hmm. back into, say, the low 40s and maybe all the way back to, say, around that 41 percent mark that George W. Bush received in, in 2000 when there was a competitive Republican caucus, if he would not beat that record, I think there may be the storyline about failing to meet expectations and how strong his campaign really is for for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis they need to try to build some momentum and exceed expectations if, if Nikki Haley would finish in second and she would finish several points percentage points ahead of Ron DeSantis you know, that could be viewed as her exceeding expectations that she is the candidate with momentum the last few months of the campaign. And then vice versa for Ron DeSantis, if if he would finish in third and, and several percentage points behind Nikki Haley, you know, does that mean that he's failed to meet expectations that despite all the campaigning in Iowa, despite the endorsements he's received from Bob Vander Plaats, from Governor Reynolds, did he, There, I think there would be questions about whether or not he met expectations and what that means for his campaign going forward.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Dave, let me ask about your the the final release of your your last ISU Civics poll released just a few days ago, uh, the fifth and final one. What did it show?
4: Sure, I mean it showed a lot of the same stuff that a lot of the other polling has shown, and a lot of what we've seen in previous months. Uh, so our our amongst our amongst our uh, four hundred plus respondents, right? Donald Trump was in first place with fifty five percent, with DeSantis and Haley both tied at fourteen. Um, I'll note, you know, the we've been a little higher on Trump, or Trump has shown up a little bit higher in our polls than a lot of the others, um, and that Haley's been a little bit lower in our polls than in the others. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, I, I recognize I, I like my poll, I trust my poll, but it's just one, mm-hmm. one snapshot. Um, the other thing I'll add is that in ours, uh, Chris Christie uh, suspended his campaign after the data collection was complete. Um, and if you take the 4% that Christie uh, had... And, and we asked who their second choice was. Uh, 55% of them said Nikki Haley. Uh, exactly zero people said Ron DeSantis. Um, so if that holds, right, you, Haley would pick up a couple of points just from the, the Christie supporters putting her a, a touch ahead uh, of DeSantis, which I think is in line with a lot of what the other polling is showing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: let's go to our phones one 780 9100 about 10 minutes left with our political analysts uh, we have uh, chris larimer dave peterson uh, let's go to ron ron welcome to the program what's your question
3: thanks forecast
1: the voters in the 48 other states will rise up and depose iowa and new hampshire for the past 50 years you two tiny states have dominated the process of whittling down the choice of candidates uh, for the rest of this century. You should be in the back of the pack. You know, after okay. 25 other states have done our primaries, then you guys can start with your precinct-level caucuses. Thanks, Ron. Ron, where are you calling from? Yeah. Out of state, I'm I guess. In Clinton, I'm in Trenton, Missouri, one of the 48 abused states. <laughs> All right, Ron. Thanks for listening to Iowa Public Radio and for giving us your view. We appreciate it. So earlier in the hour, gentlemen, I spoke with Rita Hart there about, and she said, well, they'll be in a conversation for about 2028 about Iowa regaining on the Democratic uh, column uh, its, its thing. But, but uh, f- for now, then, uh, uh, Chris, comment on, on where the Democrats find themselves with this mail-in ballot that won't be counted until March.
0: Yeah, I think you know the the question about whether or not Iowa can move back to first for the for the Iowa Democratic Party. I think that's a difficult one, given what the national Democratic Party has said about wanting more in terms of participation, wanting more in terms of representativeness. Although that's that's a little bit different question. I think on the the participation part of it, you know, with the presidential preference card, the idea, as as Rita Hart said in that first segment, is to to really open up the process to everyone and the way that they're doing that, as she said, the National Party has indicated that they cannot reveal those results now um, until early March. And I, you know, I, I think it, this is a difficult first test for, for the Democrats, because it's it's not really a competitive or not a particularly competitive uh, caucus, this cycle with an incumbent in the White House. And so I think to, mm-hmm. to, for that to change by 2028, I, I think that's that's going to be a challenge for Iowa Democrats if the national Democrats, their reasoning for taking Iowa away, don't change between now and then.
1: Mm-hmm. Dave, weigh in on this. I asked uh, Chris talked a little <clears throat> bit about expectations and the Iowa caucus results. How big of a threat do you believe Dickie Haley is to Donald Trump with her recent surge in the polls? Dave? Um,
4: in, in Iowa, I don't think she's much of a threat at all. Right. So, I mean, even her best polling has her 20 plus points down. Um, I, I have trouble imagining a scenario where Donald Trump doesn't win tonight. After Iowa, um, things may change a little bit. Right. I think Chris is right about the, the uh, expectations and the narrative that comes out. If she is a clear second choice, um, I think DeSantis is in trouble moving forward, which essentially means the race is, is Trump versus Haley. I think one of the things that the DeSantis and Haley campaigns have done a poor job of in this cycle is defining what this election is about, right? In, in, when incumbents are running for re-election for president in the general election, we talk about the election being a referendum on the incumbent or a choice between the two candidates, right? Joe Biden uses the compare me to the alternative, not the almighty line um, about that. And I think this race has been dominated as a referendum on Donald Trump, and that none of the other Republican candidates have done anything, really, for most voters to see this as a choice. Now, if it's just down to Trump and Haley, that gives her that opportunity, right? Because if it's a referendum on Donald Trump inside the Republican Party, he's going to win. He's going to win easy. But if Haley can try to pivot to making this a choice... Then she might be able to convince enough Republicans in those, what was it, 48 uh, abused states? Was that what the listener called them? Um, (laughs) Yes. You know, that that those, those Republicans in those states might think about the race a little bit differently than Iowans have.
1: Um, Let me ask you, the the Des Moines Register, NBC News, Mediacom came out with a a series of uh, interesting stories released over the past few days about their latest Iowa poll here. One in particular has a bearing on Nikki Haley, likely Republican caucus goers uh, 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 on, on her, more likely to vote for President Biden instead of Trump in November uh, should Trump be the nominee? Uh, but overall, most respondents, seventy-one percent, they would say they would vote for Trump if in November, if Trump is if the Trump Biden rematch. Eleven uh, percent say they would vote for Biden. But this is interesting. Break, broken down into respondents who plan to caucus for Haley stand out as significantly less optimistic about Trump's chances than other uh, likely Republican caucus goers. A majority of Haley supporters. 54% say it wouldn't be nearly impossible for Trump to win against Biden given his legal challenges. Uh, Chris, what is your read? What is that what more does that tell us about the type of supporters Nikki Haley tends to have?
0: Well, I think it that there's that there's clearly a split and that the narrative whether or not the Haley camp I mean the, the Haley campaign has tried to ca- create this narrative of her being sort of the she puts it you know this the next generation of republicans trying to move on from uh from donald trump um and trying to be a republican without them really saying it that that is more electable And, and to some extent she's talked about that you know there's the campaign ad about how Haley could beat Biden in a head-to-head matchup by 17 points from some poll, compared to DeSantis and, and Trump, who would struggle against Biden. So I think it's it, it comes down to this electability argument for the Haley campaign, and it's and and you see it as you said in that Iowa poll. But as as folks who have looked at that Iowa poll, the results there have talked about some of the the, the other findings from it. The supporters for Nikki Haley, at least in that poll, the latest poll, were you know the enthusiasm numbers, the inc- excitement numbers the favorability numbers, those are considerably down compared to DeSantis and Trump. And so it's it seems to be you get the sense that there are some Republican caucus goers who are looking at that electability, who are looking for someone maybe other than Trump or DeSantis, but the level of excitement and attachment to, to Nikki Haley is not quite as strong. So I think that's one of the big storylines going into tonight is is she able to pull in caucus goers, e- even caucus goers who may not be as excited about her candidacy because they're looking ahead to to November and thinking more about electability?
1: Yeah. Dave Peterson, do you see anything in these uh, latest Iowa polls that jumps out?
4: Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things that, that'll sort of build on this. Well, I'm going to talk about my poll instead of the Iowa poll, if you don't mind. Um, sure. You know, we've asked uh, respondents questions about... Um, well, let me let me put it this way: it's, at some level, the Nikki Haley supporters tend to be almost living in a different reality than the than the Trump supporters, for instance. So we ask questions mm-hmm. about who won the twenty twenty election. Um, the Nikki Haley supporters say Joe Biden won a fair election. We ask questions about Trump's indictments. Um, the Nikki Haley supporters say that Trump has committed federal crimes. So part of the reason why I think Nikki Haley supporters, even Republican Nikki Haley supporters, um or say that they're going to be likely to vote for Biden is because that these are the Republicans who believe that Biden won and who believe that Trump has committed crimes and is likely to be convicted of these crimes before the general election. Um And then the other thing that I'll add is that we have um, a different take, our data showed a very different picture of of um, the relative strength of the support for Haley. And DeSantis. And this is right, different polls are going to give you slightly different answers. Um mm-hmm. but we, but for in our data, um, only about thirty six percent of DeSantis supporters said that they've made up their mind. Um and, and the rest said they could be persuaded. For Haley, that number's about seventy seven percent. For Trump, that number's like ninety-two um, percent. and also DeSantis, we asked, you know, will you definitely participate or probably participate? DeSantis supporters were the only uh, supporters of a candidate where the majority said, probably participate instead of definitely participate, um, right? So my read of our data, which is d- different than the Iowa poll data, is is it's DeSantis's support that's starting to waver and be a little soft. Um, and I think that's partially as his campaign seems to have run out of momentum. People are starting to rethink that decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- Chris Larimer, comment on the um, the idea. I mean, act, anecdotally, we've we've heard about it. Um, I guess non party uh, Iowa voters also uh, registered Democrats uh, switching their registration to Republican to have a say in that. Uh, a wild card, but is it a big enough wild card to have any significance in your view?
0: I, I would be somewhat surprised if it if it is that big of a group of caucus goers that does that. You're absolutely right. And as your two guests said, um, you know, that, that's certainly a possibility. But I think, I, I guess I would be surprised if it's enough to to make a difference. Now, it, it could be that weather, you know, drives down turnout. And for whatever reason, there may be a large contingent of caucus goers that decide to do that. But I think it would be very surprising to see that number being something that would that would make a difference uh, tonight.
1: You agree, Dave?
4: Oh, absolutely. Chris is dead on with that
1: hmm Okay. Uh, what else needs to be mentioned? Where, were, where will you be tonight, uh, Dave, as the uh, results roll in?
4: Um, I'm still a little uncertain about where I'm going to end up being. <laughs>
1: okay. Chris, what about you?
4: Uh, I'm going to be uh, in Waterloo doing some
0: um, some live analysis for the, the local NBC affiliate there.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, l- let me ask each of you the biggest surprise you could—feasible, let's say feasible—surprise you could imagine— Uh, happening with the results that we hope to be covering, we will be covering tonight, beginning at 7 o'clock here on uh, IPR. Uh, Chris, uh, what would be a a pretty jolting surprise that's realistic?
0: Uh, I mean, I I guess I have two of them, maybe. One, you know, that that Trump, for whatever reason, doesn't win by, you know, more than 20 percentage points. I think that would be pretty shocking, given all the polling and the the consistency in the polling. And then the other is that if there would be a, a large gap between second, and third, uh, whatever order that is, whether it's DeSantis, Haley, or Haley DeSantis. I think those two things would be big headlines going into the next day.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Dave, what's a conceivable headline you could see that would shock a bit?
4: So the two that I'm looking at, and and one's to sort of piggyback on, Chris, is uh, does Trump beat Walter Mondale, right? Uh, Mondale in 1984 got 48% of the vote. Uh, Does does Trump cross the Mondale line uh, or not? Um, And the other big surprise would be Ramaswamy in third. Um, I don't know exactly how he'd do it, um, but he's talked about, you know, he's going to be mobilizing people who aren't getting picked up by the polls. Um, Maybe that's the case, and maybe he sneaks into third place.
1: All right. Dave Peterson, Lucan Professor of Political Science at Iowa State University. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Ben. And thanks to Chris Larimer, Professor of Political Science at the University of Northern Iowa. Chris, thank you.
3: You're welcome. Thanks, Ben.
1: Once again, our live coverage, uh, special coverage begins tonight here on IPR at 7 p.m. Today's River to River, produced by Danny Gear with help from Samantha McIntosh, technical support from Nick Brinks. I'm Ben Kiefer. Thanks for joining us.